Guru Nation, thank you so much for checking out another episode of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. It really means a lot to me. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to thank my sponsors. The first one is Inato. That's I-N-A-T-O, and you can find them at Inato.com. Inato is business development for free for sites. Whether you are a brand new site, whether you're an experienced site, you go on there, you create your site profile, they will match you with appropriate studies. They will jump on Zoom calls with you to prepare you for potential site selection visits from sponsors. They will tell you if your capabilities are up to par with what the sponsor is looking for, if your demographics are up to par as far as your patient population and your site capabilities. You build out your profile for free. They go to work trying to match you with appropriate studies. They talk to you about it. If you're a fit, they hand you off to the sponsor. There is no catch. There is no budget that they take on the back end. It's just a service where they match sites to sponsors for free. I'm a paid client of my own service, DSCS, where we do a bunch of hand-holding for sites, where we help them do their budgets, try to get them studies, help them with their feasibilities, create SOPs, create source, all that stuff for a low monthly fee, 1500 bucks. I use Inato as well because it's free. And why not complement the other things I'm doing for my business development, for my marketing, for my operations with a free site profile on Inato? These guys know what they're doing. They're running tech. They're experts in research and in tech. And they're merging the two things together, Inato.com. Thank you very much. My second sponsor, Versatrel. I was a huge skeptic of Versatrel. And now I use Versatrel on a daily basis, multiple times a day. For any of you guys that do studies, you know that most studies have between 8 to 12 different vendors for various aspects of running the trial from the IRB to the IRT to the EDC to the recruitment companies to all kinds of various things even within those portals that are sometimes hard to find and you got to navigate to electronic patient reported outcomes, the trainings for the patient diaries, the backup. There's so many things. Versatrial lets you store all these things in your site workspace for free for as many studies as you want. And then they have a back-end tool that helps you also do feasibility surveys for your site. So it cuts down the time on your feasibility surveys tremendously. I absolutely recommend all sites Use Versatrial, versatrial.io. Finally, Creo, clinicalresearch.io. Talk about a company that I was extremely skeptical of when I first heard of Ray's idea in 2017. Now I can't live life without Creo. I've been using Creo as a power user for two years. I've been playing with it on and off for the previous five years. Creo has an e-source. It has an e-reg. It has a CTMS. It has patient recruitment. It has e-consent. It has financial forecasting. It has a marketplace where you can buy source templates. They have so many things. They roll out new things all the time. They have an incredible support team. They have a help desk that actually is responsive immediately on chat with a question mark right by your workspace. It's amazing. It is all my coordinators know at Yuma Clinical Trials, we started with Electronic Source and never looked back. It has made our lives so much more easier. And Creo has such a cool 
back end where they're now collaborating with other tech companies in the industry and sponsors. And you just want to be on the right side of history when it comes to our industry and where technology is moving and site-centric solutions like Creo, like Inato, like Versatrel. They're here to stay, guys. Go check it out in the show notes. And now enjoy the show. Okay, Friday. Guru Nation. Taco Friday, Guru Nation. How's it going? We got a special one, okay? It's about site sponsor communications. And um, all these guests I've had on my show numerous times, you guys should know already. We're not going to do intros because it's going to take a lot of time. We want to get straight to the point in this one and then have have like a real dialogue. Maybe this is like a preview of some of the things we'll do at SOS Conference. But um, sponsor site communications, as studies are getting more complex, it's increasingly important that there's a communication line between sites and sponsors. And you can say, well, why aren't CROs in the picture? Well, CROs are supposed to be doing this. But I want to hear directly from the sponsors and the sites. No middle people. The only middle people maybe are the tech companies, the tech providers providing solutions, or at least trying to. This is not something that's simple. That's an easy fix at all. So I'll represent the small sites, Yuma Clinical Trials. Michelle represents the bigger sites, the AMCs, Mount Sinai. Robert represents the sponsors. He's an amazing sponsor. He's a site advocate working at a sponsor level, and he has CRO background, so he can help with the CRO aspect as well. And then Mike, founder of Versatrail, trying to bring some order to this chaos. So thank you guys all for coming on. Um, where do we start? I mean, is it more important now? I guess I'll start with Michelle. Having a direct line of communication with your sponsor for any given study. Like, is that normal? Or are you supposed to go through CROs? And do you feel like that's ideal? So during um, during our pre-site selection visit, I actually require information about the sponsor, like the project manager, the team lead, the operations lead. And I like to use that when I need it. Um, it's not all the time, but if I have hiccups regarding um, budget negotiations, getting my consent back, you know, any mm. language issues, site activation, they're my line of communication communications and sometimes it's me going directly to them saying i want this study to start as smoothly as possible can you help us get there do you, do you ever get pushback when you ask for that or they usually just never comply? they never. they really welcome that and i think sometimes they're a little surprised about the delays that have happened regarding the site i mean i and if i don't have that information because like that person hasn't been identified in any of our PSSV, I will just go to the medical director that's on the protocol. And, and at your site, Mount Sinai, I've, I've been lucky enough to have a tour back like pre COVID days. Um, how many studies do you have on it at any given point in time that you're, that you're in charge of? I mean, we probably have 30 to 40 that are in the pre-award period and probably another 70 that are in you know active phases wow i've i've been to your side i've seen the lab kits stacked up through the ceiling not to the ceiling through <laughs> uh <laughs> whole new level to that this is this is why we wanted to have this this conversation robert you're a very unconventional uh sponsor um representative 
Robert did the SIV at my site. Like, I've, we've never had a sponsor come when there's a CRO that's in charge. But he came with the CRA and took charge of the SIV. Why do you think it's important that someone at the sponsor is aware of what's happening at the site level? Well, it's just like Michelle said, Dan. It's the it's the site experience, um, getting up started as smoothly as possible, bringing in timelines wherever possible, um, just you know making sure that whole process flows the way we expect it to flow. You know, I have to backtrack for a second based on the comment you asked Michelle, and it was funny because I was talking with um, my CRO yesterday um, that we're working with on one of our trials. And I was not able to get a hold of a site directly. They are a network who uses a central hub operator. And it was literally next to impossible to get a hold of the site. And I, and I told the clinical lead, I said, hey, like you're telling me we have no direct line. This isn't like in the PSSV report. It's not in the SIV report. This central hub method of communication is not available. And he's like, do you think, you know, he asked me, he's like, do you think this is their way of kind of policing and governing, you know, site direct contact? And I said, well, you know, I go, listen, if they were running effectively and by the book, we wouldn't need to contact with them and communicate as frequently as we reach out. But given the trends and continuous issues and debauchery that we're seeing, what a great way to police it if you have to, right? So it's kind of a contrasting situation here where I'm trying to reach out to the site. I can't even get a hold of the site. <laughs> Interesting. How do you do right? it? You have to go to clinicaltrials.gov and Google your own sites? I, I honestly like it, it's a it's a centralized number. I'm not hundred percent sure what state this this person resides in. And it's always they're busy, we'll leave a message, I'll transfer you to their voicemail. You know, so it's it's very challenging. Um and so I was talking to the clinic, I'm like Let's Google the PI's name. Let's match his name with the address of the site that we ship IP to. And let's see if we can call if there's a direct number there. And they're really smooth about it, you know? So it's kind of contrasting. But here I am, a sponsor representative, trying to get a hold of a site to <laughs> remedy an issue that's very persistent. I'm still here today as we talk and are having this conversation. Uh, nope. Haven't haven't been able to make direct line of contact. So <laughs> when the CRA goes back to the site, I, I I you know had made a request. Please get a direct line to this site. So just uh, Mike, this is thing. like this is like the opposite of what you're trying to build. There's my wife Dora watching from the other room. What a what an honor! <laughs> Thank you so much. She met Mike the other day. Um, talk to you later. But okay, Mike, you. You came, Mike came to Shadow Yuma Clinical Trail specifically to figure out like what's the dynamic between sites and, and, and sponsors. And Mike was actually there. We were doing our first randomization visit for a newer study that we have. And we ran into an issue. I mean, there's always an issue at your first randomization, whether the IRT doesn't work, it doesn't spit out a diary you need, so now you're stuck. Like, that's actually what happened. We, we couldn't get past, like, a stupid questionnaire because it wouldn't pop up. It was like a technical glitch. I tried, Mike saw me trying to call CTM, trying to call CRA, trying to call someone else, doing it again. I went through the cycle twice, blowing up their phones, 
couldn't get a hold. I just said, I told the coordinator, just just randomize anyways. Forget the deviation. It's a small one. We're not going to have the patient wait here until a help desk gets back to us. So what you're saying, Robert, is it's almost like the opposite of what Mike's trying to do. Mike is trying to facilitate like a direct line through Versatrel. Um, what do you think about what you just heard, Mike, from Robert and Michelle? Like, and and with my with with the with what you observed at my clinic, like in a short period of time, what do you what are you thinking right now? Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a very common issue on both ends. Uh, sites trying to get a hold of their CRO or sponsor counterparts, and vice versa. I, the the challenge if you almost had a magic wand and you said, how can we make the whole system efficient? It would be kind of, you know, one company doing all of this in one system with one source of truth, where what is the status of that study? Who is working on that study? Everything in one system. But we you know, have to have sponsors. There's a need for CROs. There's a need for sites. And there's the need for those firewalls between those different organizations, which introduces complexity when it comes to trying to keep everybody in sync. So what is the... Who is the contact on this? What is the status of this? What is the latest ICF? Now, a lot of that isn't just kind of one source of truth. It's different systems within different organizations. And the only way to keep those systems in sync is to throw something over a wall and help hope that the other side catches it. So CRA turnover, <laughs> very common thing. But Dan, like when you were picking up the phone, you're like, I don't even know if this is still my CRA. Like that, that's wild because <laughs> on the CRO side, like they know who your CRA is. It's in their, it's in their CTMS system but your system is out of sync with reality. Um, mm -hmm. you know, they think you're using the newest ICF because they sent it out an email. That fell through the cracks. Someone didn't read it. Someone didn't pick up on it. You're using an old ICF and now there's a deviation. So I think a lot of the inefficiencies and a lot of the headaches and the, the friction and just like the, the, the hits on morale is just trying to stay in sync within those three groups, sponsor to CRO to site, site back up to CRO, back up to sponsor. Mm -hmm. um, Perfect world, you know, we're all in one system. It's, you know, API interoperability and all that, but that, that just isn't the reality. We're all going to be in our different systems for different reasons. And so where I think that there's the opportunity is where does things fall through the cracks? Where is it like a lot of communication going back and forth? Of, does that person have access to the system? Did we complete all the things needed for startup? Is it stalled on your end or on our end? Uh, that requires a lot of coordination, communication. Similarly during the study, when you're damn, when you're having those urgent issues of, oh my gosh, I need to get a hold of somebody, patients in the waiting room, who am I contact? How's that being triaged appropriately? Michelle, we, we've talked to a lot of sites where they have that sponsor liaison and now they CC the sponsor on every email. And that's not a, a great use of everybody's time also. <laughs> knowing like that's Robert. That's Robert. And when not <laughs> uh, is like an interesting like decision that you have to use your own discretion of. Um, and so that adds friction to the system. So the, the thing that's just really interesting, a lot of emails going back and forth, lots of meetings and phone calls and on-site visits. But the goal of a lot of that is just to stay in sync with each other. Um, how do I make sure my system represents what's going on in your system? Are we operating off of the same reality? And if we're not, that might lead to issues. So you send an email out and no one's on the other end to receive it. You're, you know, you're doing these deviations while the patient's in the waiting room. So the more we can build bridges that reinforce what's already going on between systems, I think that's that's a a challenge worth uh, a problem worth trying to work on. Michelle, what, what do you, what, what are you thinking about this? Like how, how often do you run into issues like I did on at my visit this week? I mean, 
new all screenings, the all first the patient, time. <laughs> first patient, there's always an issue. And the problem is the study coordinator can't be with the patient to facilitate the call and also be the person calling the IT test. Exactly. Exactly. And throw in when you have a relatively inexperienced CRC. Like I had two CRCs, both one is approaching one year of experience. The other one's like at four months, both with the patient and then me. So I was telling Mike, if I wasn't there, they would have just waited. Who knows how long? Like, what kind of patient experience is that for this patient who's already nervous? They know they're about to get a new injection on a new study, and they're just sitting there in a room while these two CRCs are, like, scrambling on a laptop trying to, like, send emails and get people to answer their phones. Like, that's not – that doesn't send, like – like message of, of confidence to the patient the, and they could pick up on all these things. So, you know, Dan, I was in another room right. doing all this stuff. Patient didn't really know what's going on, but I can't be there all the time. I just had a crazy And it's also idea. like, I also think the sites need to delineate when is this major or minor, right? Like if this is yes. like, is this a primary endpoint issue or is this something that like I could live with this deviation? So there there needs to be some filtering through that. And if it's a deviation, making sure that's documented so the sponsor has awareness, right? Like anytime that there's a deviation, having that document and that story told becomes increasingly important just to for awareness, right? Like FDA auditors ask for those documents. Robert, you had a... You know, I, I just, yeah, a couple of things, no, a couple of things. So number one, you know, Dan, <clears throat> we need to look at the way the, what's the root cause of this whole issue, right? The root cause, in my opinion, is the SIV itself. Number one, you may have a CRA come in who's just ill-prepared, and I get it from their perspective as well. Um, but, you know, it's time to reframe the SIV. I, I literally, this just dawned on me. And it's stop wasting time going through the inclusion exclusion criteria. You guys can read that as sites. Stop going through all this. What is an AE? What is an SAE? ICHGCP responsibilities. It's nonsense. At this point, if you're working with the site, you expect them to know this information. Okay. They're signing a 1572. Let's move on with it. My vision of an SIV is a complete mock visit patient's journey from start to finish. So U.S. sites don't encounter this. There is UAT environments on every system I test, from IRT, from EDC, to imaging vendors if there are, to central labs, specialty labs. There's UAT on all of this. Why not have the CRA walk in, have a actor patient, that you and your coordinator get to actually go through the motions of, of screening, randomizing through the SIV visit. Let's even sit down and enter data into the CRF together if you want. Right. Mike, Mike was asking us the same thing. He was asking our CRC, when was our SIV? Wasn't this covered? And she was like, yeah, that was six months ago. And we've had like 10 SSVs since <laughs> for different studies. How are we going to remember six months ago? But Michelle, how do you get through like these? We've tried to do mock visits, but sometimes the systems don't let us go like all the way to randomization. Like how, how do you, Michelle, do this? Mm, 
I mean, some of the chat, I have to say the diaries are like, that's a big one. Those e pros, mm. like they don't want to connect to our network or, you know, they drop off of the Wi Fi. And, you know, sometimes the patients can't be randomized without, like, you know, seven days of prior uh, diary information going in, right? So there's a lot of dealing with the monitoring of those e pros. What? One of the things tech skills to deal with it. Uh, how do you deal with it? Yeah, we're, we're losing Michelle a little bit. One of the things I wish we had, which I still need to see if it's possible. It's not possible on every study is I asked my CRC when this was happening, do we have the paper scale backup? Like, let's just at least get it documented that we did it. Right. Who cares if it's not in the system? Do you keep those? The the papers? Yeah, the paper scale backup. Like if it's on an IRT, I mean, it's one thing I to even just have them. I would certify it and put it into our wherever our source is and make a yeah. note. And, That's and, probably a you good know, thing. Less paper, the better. I'm, I'm all for no paper these days. Yeah, yeah. We can, what we could probably do is upload it to Creo somehow and link to it like for a quick access to Versatrel. Because the last yep. thing you want to do as a CRC is like go digging through your books if it's physical or go digging through Creo if it's digital or try to look for something. If you could like direct link to it with Versatrial or something, just click, boom. Otherwise, you're just replacing one problem for another. Now you're yeah, just searching. Also, like communicating with that patient that they're the first patient and it's the first time we're live in this system and just being transparent with them. It may take a little bit longer, but the other visits will go much smoother bear with us, you know, <laughs> as we go through this. I mean, so, I think the, the calmer you are and the more uh, presentable and professional you seem, it will give ease to the patient because there's Put like that ease. whole drug, you know, initiation process that they're already anxious about without all the anxiety of the site. Yeah. When, when shit started hitting the fan, I told the patient what they want from Subway and I'd bring them something to eat. So like food tends to calm people down. <laughs> uh, Robert, what were you gonna say? Um, I, I completely lost the lost the train. Of paper thought. scales, like you. Oh, you oh have a I remember, Dan. I I remember this. I remember now. So paper scales, it brought it back. The problem is it's not the problem that you guys are doing the paper scale, right? Obviously, it's not great, but you're, you've now created more work for yourself, right? Because mm -hmm. that data, at one point or another via DCRF, data correction, request form, DCF, data correction form, whatever you want to call it, has to get into the system somehow. It does us no good with the data being on a piece of paper that's been certified in the source, right? So now, just by virtue of the system not operating as you expect it to, you know, there's additional work to be done. So now once we find out it's been done, it's probably going to be a protocol deviation anyways for even completing it on paper because mm -hmm. the protocol explicitly says it should be done electronically. But what's better right? though, like not doing it at all? Or... Well, of course, of course it's, it's, it's not the paper, obviously, right? Getting some form of the data is expected. But now, Dan, the question is, how do you get that data to where it needs to be? Yeah. Time consuming, <laughs> right? And then you know, the, the, then the help desk is reaching back out to you. Oh, you didn't submit it on the current form or does oh, yeah. they'll send a DCF and all this nonsense, you know, you. and it just, it just eats up your time. And it's unpaid. That is unpaid work. The issues with the diaries. There you go. Unpaid work. Four right, hours Michelle. spending on wait for it help desk. Yeah. Oh, well. 
unpaid work. But as a site owner, it's my job. Like, let's get this patient out of here as fast as possible. Um, we'll deal with all this stuff later. And Robert, the you know, where is this data gonna go if I put on paper? I mean, we'll do it. But that sounds like something we'll do tomorrow or next week, not today. Today, the patient's going to get out of here because I got another one in the waiting room on another study we got to get to. Right. But then, Dan, you forget. You get busy. Mm -hmm. You're busy. And then it's, you know, the CRO's calling you, the CRA's calling you, the clinical lead's calling you. Hey, by the way, we're doing a reconciliation at the end of the month. Data management alerted us that this, this, you know, this important scale that happens to do with our endpoint is missing. Why is it missing? Was it done? First of all, oh, I don't know, because this clinical leads not logging into your Creo, right? Maybe right. you only have a limited time access granted for your CRAs. Maybe it's just that day. You happen to be a generous site owner and you pretend, you know, you trust your CRAs very, very good and you allow them maybe extended access, but it's an imperfect system and it ends to, like Michelle said, unpaid work, mm -hmm. wasted time, and you have to remember, Dan, to actually complete and follow and close that loop. That was no fault of your own, right? right? So I'm really a big fan of the UAT environments. We all have them. We just don't share them with sites. Break it down. What's, what is that UAT? It's a user acceptance training platform environment where I, I go into a system and I can enter diary data. I can randomize a patient. I see what the notification emails look like once I randomize you know, erroneous, like you, you can get an erroneous subject number, you know, you can go through all these steps. Like Dan, when, when I was at your site and we went through the SIV, I mean, I think you'll be able to tell the audience and the panel members. I mean, I gave you what you needed to know to conduct the study. I didn't waste your time with everything. You he gave already us cheat sheets. He gave us everything. This was before Versatrail. So we didn't have a place where we could one click to it. It wasn't still in our inbox, but then I met Mike shortly after and we got everything yeah. and Versatrail. So Mike, how the hell we solve all this with uh, Versatrail? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, definitely, um, you know, there's a lot of different problems to solve and it, the coordination is key to it. So where we started with Versatrail was just making sure within the site there was coordination. So within the site, like Dan, like you have, you know, a backup on each, each study, you have, you know, yourself, you have your PI. So where there was fragmentation in data within the site, that was where we wanted to solve some issues right away. So who is the CRA? Where do I need to go? What are the different portals and systems for this study? If that's in one person's cheat sheet Excel file, if that's in someone else's bookmarks in the browser, if it's in your head, you guys as a team are not coordinated and in sync. Very easy for things to fall through the cracks there. So our big goal was to make it build a purpose-built tool so that just within a site, you can answer that simple question of where do I need to go? For each study and who do i need to talk to for each study and have a single point of maintaining that as things change and evolve so that was our starting point as a site and now we're really excited is to chat with the sponsors and cro's to say for the folks that are throwing that over the wall to the site you're you're sending that over via your portal or you know a pdf document or whatever it is the site needs to catch that and put it into an organized system rather than you have to do that over the wall you know operate through the bridge have that sync so that now when you have a CRA turnover, it's not an email that can fall through the cracks. You're directly pushing that into the site systems. It's getting updated on their end as well. Throwing uh, it over the walls like uh, Game end. of Thrones. 
who's, <laughs> who's the White Walkers? Michelle, you're going to be... Have some th- yeah, I have ahead. one thing before I have to step off exactly at 1030, and I apologize for that. I think the UAT is an int- incredible opportunity, right? This is the sandbox. This is where people get to make mistakes, and especially the the entire industry has exploded with so many staff who need additional training. This is a great way to give new coordinators access. Michelle, two minutes before you go, this one's like for you right here. Erica says some issues aren't foreseeable. Sites need a straight line of communication for answers from CRO or a sponsor who have answers to complex situations, which is, this is not like something that doesn't happen. This happens regularly. Even people in the comments are saying happened this week. Okay. Yeah. Being referred to a manual or a tech support number does not help. No one's going to do that. You need a bat phone, right? You need the bat <laughs> phone, right? Like, I need somebody now because I have a patient now, right? Robert's our bat phone for one study, but he's not on every study we have, unfortunately. Michelle, and sometimes that some monitors, some monitors are like that, right? Like some mm. outstanding not- monitors are available to our team. But how common is time. that though? Like 10%, 20%? It depends how high your enrollment is, by the way. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most monitors are like operating at that level are not that common, um, unfortunately. I mean, they're the outliers for a reason, so... Tech's got to figure out how to do this. The the UAT thing, something new that I just learned. Maybe that's something we can do. Will that ever be open to sites though? Because like, th- aren't those things like well guarded? It, it shouldn't be, Dan. Like, uh-huh. it, there's no reason for it. I mean, I there's there's no reason why why should it be well guarded if it's past UAT and you've signed off on it and it's going to be the replication of the live production environment. Why would we anybody guard it? It's silly, sometimes right? we can't even get screenshots for visit two of an EDC because yeah, it won't work until you randomize someone. So you can't, you don't even know what they're going to ask for. We have it, Dan. I'm telling you, everybody has it. Everybody has it. This is not something that should be shielded and and hidden from sites. I mean, it's mm. it's it's really ridiculous. I know Michelle has to drop, but I'm going to continue the topic. This is why, Dan, on previous you know chats we've had on on this show, is that. This is why it is critical for CROs to go back to this centralized non-traveling role as a primary point of contact. So Michelle doesn't need the bat phone. She (laughs) knows this person is, is not traveling. They're available. They're working with the site to, you know, resolve action items or working for reg docs, like whatever, whatever she may need in the interim, because look, CRAs are busy. And quite frankly, as a sponsor or even as a CRO representative, you know, as a CTM point of view, as a PM point of view on the CRO side, and even as a sponsor representative now, I don't want my CRAs answering Michelle's phone call. I don't. Yeah. They're busy on site focusing on data at another site. So who's the next best person? It, it's a centralized non-traveling role. And for whatever reason, pick your favorite three letters CRO. They have pivoted away from this model when it used to be the model four years ago. Well, we're going to get to this model right now, we'll but Michelle, thank yeah. you so much for coming. You got to go. Thank In the you. meantime, me Thanks and Michelle so. are the bat phone for our coordinators because when the <laughs> patient's there, guys, we're talking about all this stuff. The patient's still sitting there. Okay. So yeah. me and Michelle for now are the bat phone. 
And it could be very stressful to be a site director. And we're the ones making the decision because coordinators are afraid. If I do this, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get written up. So it has to be Dan or Michelle giving me the okay. Well, what happens when we're on a phone or we're on a live stream, right? Like, so we are the bat phone internally, but you're right. We do need one. Thank you, Michelle, for coming on. Thanks, you guys. Go. Bye, Michelle. Everybody go follow Michelle. Yeah, Robert, that's an interesting thing. Do you think we're headed back in that direction? Um, I'm seeing it right now before my very eyes. Um, and it's happening by by necessity versus, you know, being it's more reactive than proactive. And I never quite understood. It's like, wow, this is a phenomenal concept. You know, back in the day, you know, when I say in the day, I don't know, two, three, maybe even four years ago, there was like, you know, there's so many different names for these roles. Why do you call it an in-house CRA, a central monitoring associate? Remote uh, site monitor. Site you know, yeah, site, exactly. There's so many different, whatever you want to call it, right? The bottom line is it's a centralized non-traveling role. And this person has explicit interactions and training to field site level questions to take care of anything administrative while the CRA may be on a plane, maybe on site, traveling back and forth, you know? Again, Dan, put yourself in, a, in your CRA shoes. If your CRA is at your site, you've been there, you, I mean, I don't need to tell you, but I'm saying if imagine you're on, you know, you're over, you're at your site, you have several monitors, they're you know, monitoring several trials and their phone's just ringing off the hook. Yeah, I know. You'd get pissed. You'd be like, hey, wait a minute. Aren't you supposed to be focusing on my data? There's so that no way I'm... you could focus in those situations. There's zero exactly. probability so, of that happening. During startup, right? And you know it's IMV1. You're not the only site who who's having IMV1. This CRA is getting bombarded, you know, from every direction on a 360 radial, and they're literally losing focus. And you wonder why, you know, when the time comes time for an audit, ooh, you got a 483. It's like, it's like, you know what I mean? Seriously, it's it, it that that it's such a it's such a silly system to me um, that you we've got to get these CROs, and I literally have, have been working with my CROs to re-implement this single point of contact centrally you has know it been and, working um it has been i mean i'm getting good feedback from the sites you know where <laughs> they're like at least we can get a hold of somebody i mean when you had that problem the other day for your other study mm. and you called four different people mike saw great. me man he was right there with me i was the next step would be I was stressed. mike <laughs> yeah, yeah you were stressed right i was about to hand the phone to mike and say i gotta go with the patient you call <laughs> I was like <laughs> literally going to do that, man. It was chaotic. But Mike, how do we, you got a lot of work to do at Versatrial, man. Or are you even trying to solve like all of these problems? Robert, the UAT one's really interesting. Um, definitely. I think there's, there's opportunity there because when you're, when you're, you know, six months out and you just read instructions of how to use a, a technology and then you're using the technology for the first time right there in that moment with the stress of the patient in the waiting room. And it's, it's a technology that's buggy and not working like that's, that's not the time to, to do a first pass of these things. So that, exactly. that's definitely, uh, we'd love to do an, a, a conversation with you offline to explore that more. I, I think the, the other thing that's kind of clear is, and Michelle mentioned it as well, it's like that first patient randomization or the first time you're doing something is truly a first. And every study is different. And so what, what was kind of really interesting to, to me in the, in the experience with Dan was, I had worked previously at a, a startup where we had uh, a solution for doctor's offices, but it wasn't clinical research. It was just, you're a primary care practice or you're, you know, you do orthopedic surgery. 
there's patterns, there's consistency. It's, you can kind of get in a good rhythm and then that's where the efficiencies and the confidence kick in of like, I know what I'm doing because I do it day in, day out. We do this pattern again and again. There aren't a lot of, you know, that, that sort of consistency and patterns in clinical research. Every study is going to have a different box of systems that you need to interact with and use. And then you have to go start all over learning a new thing for another study with different protocol and eligibility criteria. So not having that practice dry run adds to the challenge and, and means that those first couple of patients going through are maybe going to have a bumpy experience that really well sites like Dan, like can kind of smooth out those bumps and, and, you know, make the patient happy at the end of it. But also in some instances, maybe those bumps mean that the patient doesn't move forward or, or you know, doesn't, has a really bad experience where they can't randomize that day and they have to come back or something like that. Like that's, that's friction. That, that would have pissed me off so much. I'll take deviations <laughs> over that. I was even telling coordinator, randomize them. I don't care what you're missing. Randomize them. It's not a patient safety thing. Luckily, we didn't have deviation. Thank God. And then, and then Mike, right when you get used to it and everything's in sync and everything's in flow and you're using the systems great, protocol amendment. <laughs> now everything's broken again. Start from scratch. <laughs> even, the, even the protocol amendment one is so interesting to me because to your point, it's like almost like a reset, but just the, the coordination and stress of, of the sponsor being like, okay, I hope, you know, everyone's doing the new amendment and following this as is it's communicated out to folks via, via different ways. Hopefully they're catching it, putting it in their system. Hopefully the staff are aware of it and now using it and, and now not using the old ICFs and things like that. But there's a lot of like, points of failure in that handoff process uh, with a lot of blind spots. So, you know, this Dan as the site director doesn't know that his staff member used the old ICF. You know, the right. CRO doesn't know that that has happened. The sponsor doesn't know that has happened. That's a nightmare. It's because of the delays and that lack of visibility. Holy crap. We're now a couple weeks in and, you know, well, here, here's the thing though. Like we have Versatrial, like we use Versatrial. It's, we choose to use it. We have a link. We can link to anything we want in there, right? And it's organized by study, one click. If somebody, whether it's this central, you know, like Robert said, this non-traveling CRA that populates this thing, or whether it's someone at the site that does it, or whether it's sponsored directly. Like, the cool thing about this, we can give Robert access to Versatrial. Boom, he can do it. Like, you don't need, why do you need central uh, monitor for all this stuff? Like, just put a link. Um, that will ease like a lot of like uh worries from site directors and even coordinators in the middle of the visit like make sure i have the right icf right how am i gonna do that god bless you if you go to wcg portal and try to find it right <laughs> when the patient's there and yes they're gonna say well you should have all these things ready the day before well what if the day before we had four patients and we still didn't finish all those visits and we had to go home like we're, we have to live in reality. We're dealing with reality. Robert, you opened up a Pandora's box. With I this really thing. did here. 17 years. I had never heard of this thing. Guys, it's crazy to me that, I mean, there's so many Can you say it even, again? UAT. UAT, what is it? User acceptance, tra uh, user acceptance testing. Mind blown. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, guys, I mean, there's so many comments in the chat, even before this one. Like, how does one access? I mean, there's so yeah, many. Yeah, look at this. That, look at this yeah. one. Do you suggest sponsors are given access to UAT environments to understand the patient journey and probable outcomes more intimately? Not only do I suggest it, we sign off on it. <laughs> but I do mean, you think they actually like not you, but like oh. your your colleagues somewhere else 
do they actually look at it or they just sign it? Well, you know, I can't speak for what other people do. I would imagine it would be in their best interest to <laughs> to, to review it, right? I mean, I, I could tell you, um, you know, uh, when you walk into a study and, you know, your former colleagues internally have not done a thorough job, you know, you, you catch these problems, you know, and honestly, Dan, I go into a UAT environment, whether it's EDC, IRT, the ePro, and imaging, and I try to literally break the system. I want mm. to put in as much incorrect, uncorroborated information. Like I put in an inaccurate, like, you know, if the screening date is today, I put the ICF date last week, mm. you know, mm. or if it tells me the ECG is done, you know, and the patient has to be sitting for five minutes before in a supine position, I put in 15 minutes before, four minutes, three minutes, six minutes, six and a half minutes. Wow. I try to do so everything. just like I those can... uh, those video game developers have yeah. these guys playing games, trying to make them do weird things that make the game glitch. Exactly. And honestly, I mean, I, maybe we need to have a whole nother discussion around UAT, but it literally just, just opened up a new position. Yeah. Like sponsor I mean, I, the CRO yeah. should hire this person. I I don't see why you know, this is not incorporated into an SIV. It ought to be, you know, showing you slides and screenshots of a diary. If you're lucky, if you're, if you're lucky. lucky, if you're lucky, it still doesn't work. It still doesn't help you understand. There's nothing like doing it right. Dan, imagine going to the diary, right. In an imperfect diary and knowing, oh, well, you know, this is not sequentially asking me scales. The patient has to come back to the main menu every single time they submit a scale. Right. But right. there's four scales to be completed. How do you appreciate that? <laughs> even, the, even the patient should have the opportunity to UAT that with you. And, and, what, and what's the benefit? Even of this, the CRC right? doesn't get to do that. Like you can't enroll yourself in the study and do it on yourself first. Right. But what's the benefit of all this? The benefit of all this is it reduces time and effort in problems downstream. You know, if you invest a little bit more upfront, even if you, even if the screening visits a little bit longer and you incorporate these UAT situations with patient and you, you, you reimburse the site, by the way, for this, for this effort, this is not something that we expect sites to do for nothing because it's time consuming. But at the end of the day, it pays dividends on the back end. You're not going to be having these. You know, if, if the patient's not compliant in their diary, I'm not having the CRO call you, Dan, and saying, "Hey, your patient just missed eight days of data entry." Mm. They're they're familiar now. Maybe they're out of town. There, there's acceptable reasons for this, but yeah. if it's a continuous trend. You know, eight days missed, one day entered, they fall off the list, then they miss another eight days, then they're back on the list. You know, it, it's it's just, um, yeah, I think we need to have a, a, another deep dive discussion around this because honestly, I didn't even think about it until this, until this live, you know? Why is it we don't share the UAT environment with sites? Who controls that right now? Like who develops this? Is it the vendor? The it, Yeah, it's the, it's the vendor um, or it could even be the CRO. But I can tell you every one of these systems, Dan, and, you know, um, I, I will even show you offline. They all have UAT environments, every single one of them. There's no reason not to. Me as a site owner, this. 17 yeah. years, never played with one, never even heard of it. <laughs> that it's should crazy. tell you something right there, Mike, about site sponsor communication yeah. gap. 
it well, I think what's interesting about this one, like Robert, in your mind, and then I guess Dan, because this is like a preventive thing, like you got to take that extra time to avoid the hiccups and the bumps. Uh, so access is is key. And then I would imagine if you had access, there's like the happy path of like, if everything goes well, and I follow all the steps in that IRT or in that e-diary, there's, there's that experience. And then there's the edge cases as well, when things do, are not going well through that path. And so like, Dan, do you think your staff have the time to do that at that SIV or the day before? Yeah, we want to do mock visits. Like, like we knew this process. day was coming for like a week. We had this day uncircled on the calendar. Um, then it, it was made um, more interesting because you were coming. <laughs> I was like, hey, by the way, guys, Mike's going to shadow me. <laughs> we knew this day we wanted to practice. We actually did practice. We can't log in to IRT and randomize ourselves, though. Right. So we were, we, you know, we practiced the visit. The visit went smooth, other than this little glitch. The other small glitch was like the ECG leads wouldn't, wouldn't stick properly. You can't practice for that. But like we practiced as much as we could. Everyone knew how to dose the drug, all, all that stuff. But we got, we got caught on this speed bump, a massive speed bump. Uh, and we couldn't get past it for like an hour or so. There's no Man, practice gotta, for that. I got to run to a, a, the next meeting, but I re really appreciate you having me Mike, on this Thank morning. you, man. Robert, thanks for, for chatting. Nice to you, Mike. has got the, the gear spinning, so I would love to Good. continue the conversation on the follow Everybody go check out Versatrail right now. They're trying to improve this stuff little by little. And then, Robert, man, I think we got a startup idea for somebody out there. I'm telling you, Dan, I mean, the amount of comments, um, you know, UAT is something <laughs> the sponsor offers. Uh, you know, I totally agree about incorporating into the SIV. Let's have another discussion on the UAT. Yeah. Robert, can you train more on the UAT? Robert, um, can you have a startup on this? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is like a lot of stuff, guys. I'm, I'm My mind is blown. And, you know, that should tell you a lot, like 17 years into 18 now and never heard of this and um it's like a critical piece of the puzzle like the, if we can do this we if we could have practiced this we would have figured out the little glitches and exactly. it, it turned out to be a glitch like i asked katie the next day because i was already over it what happened and she said oh it's some stupid glitch that you know made no sense right and, <laughs> and these are the and these are exactly the glitches that we want sites to find out because Dan, I honestly, every time I do UAT, right? So let, let, let's talk about the UAT process real quickly. I think a lot of people are going to, you know, find this interesting. Um, and number one, you know, the first pass QC, QA of the, any production environment is done internally by the vendor, whether the vendor is outsourced third party from the CRO or whether the CRO owns the tech themselves and they have developers inside the CRO. Mm -hmm. Everybody QA, you know, QCs this directly at internally. Then once it passes in, you know, their QA QC process, they send it over to the sponsor to review. Right. But it makes all the sense. In the, I mean, I guess some of the problem, okay, is the lack of available sites to UAT this stuff before it goes live, right? Because Dan, you as a site expect these environments to be in production by time you're able to screen your first patient. We expect them to work, man. As you know what frustrates me, man? 
like this is like more of a macro. We're gonna have to do another video on UATs. Yeah. Um, and sure. and LinkedIn user, no, this is the whole thing. Like I've never even heard of this. Sponsors don't provide sites with UAT environments. I never even heard the three letters in my life before in that order. Um, what pisses me off, man, is like companies like Viva, companies like Versatrail, companies like Creo that are site focused, right? And Nato site focused. Robert, these are venture capital, investor backed, bootstrapped startups, not Viva, but the other ones. Right. They got the site experience down like cold. Like you use one of these things, any of these things I mentioned. It's a pleasant user experience. It's intuitive. Everything makes sense. Mobile friendly, co- uh, computer friendly. It's nice to look at. Like they, they really thought about, okay, I want to make the coordinator like actually like this. Because right. we, we won't survive if the coordinator doesn't like this. Sure. You get these ePros and all these diary IRT, they could care less. You look at those technology, man, you know. Compared to Viva, compared to Creo, compared to Versatrail, where it's like modern, slick, like little chat pops up with an AI, hey, how can I help you? You have this IRT that are getting paid big bucks from these CROs and sponsors. Believe it. That just slum it on that UX experience, whatever you call it, user experience. Yeah. Like, they don't care, man. It's not like they can't develop. Yeah. How could these startups develop something that's site friendly and these IRTs patient facing or site facing throughout like this crap? You know, Dan, it's an opportunity for these companies to, to get maybe potentially get in that space, right? Like imagine, you know, Creo, right. Having their own ECOA application that goes on the patient's mm-hmm. device and it, seamlessly talks to your your e-source and the data on a nightly basis gets funneled in there and then i can just go in and log in and take a look if i want to look dream come true you know what i mean and but you're right though these these (laughs) these designs i'll give you an example and you work with a startup too the butterfly people i mean user experience man they understand that it's like common sense especially when you come from another industry you come to here, you look at one of our IRTs, it looks like you're in 2005 still. Yeah, you're right. No, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, you know, I, it's a great point. It's a great point. Um, pisses, I think it pisses me off. <laughs> yeah, it's lost focus. It's lost a lot of the focus because you know what it is? Back in the day, there's two options. And, and that's how back, that's how, you know, we're so far behind our industry. I mean, comparatively speaking to where tech is today, right? But you would give a a patient a standalone device like, hey, this is your device. This is your and now it's a second device. They have to tote around nine times out of 10. Someone's going to lose it. We got to document the serial number. We got to pay for a new one. Now we're coming up with these apps. Right. And these apps are installed onto the phone. And part of the inclusion exclusion criteria is the patient must have access to technology whatever that means right (laughs) um you know and the apps are just not built with the capability that we know that is available it's not it dude yesterday okay last night i'm in the middle of uh, getting an investment property in dallas texas i love dallas by the way yeah yeah okay i forgot one of my homes my 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 property insurance 
mm -hmm. uh, ran out. So the mortgage auditor, like, hey, yeah, send me this. Oops. Uh, let me download Lemonade. Okay, Lemonade is like this modern uh, home insurance app. Right. Like, dude, within two minutes, such a beautiful experience. Like, an AI started chatting with me. What's your address? Okay, does it have this kind of roof? Okay, boom, boom. Within two minutes, man. You were set. Not only did I have one, I was paid. I had the document in my inbox. Like, why can't we do this for a freaking pain questionnaire? Right. My experience on that thing was so good, right? And I had no idea. I've never used this app before. I compare that now to these apps we give these patients and expect them to be compliant on a daily basis. I will never touch Lemonade again unless I need to renew or need another one. Imagine do it, giving a patient, hey, every day at nighttime, you got to go in and tomorrow too and the next day too. And this right. is a three-year study. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we? That doesn't make any sense, man. It, it, like, it doesn't. It's it's frustrating. I mean, I'm getting I'm getting my blood pressure raised just thinking about it because you're yes, right. Sorry, man. It, Me, too. No, no. Me too. I mean, Dan, we're both getting uh, I mean, it's you're right. We and this is something we have to talk about, right? Even at SOS. And not sponsored by Lemonade, but we would love yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we need to we need to get more voices out there to advocate for this type of a change because there's just real no good reason. Um you know, maybe it's cost prohibitive. I highly doubt it. Um, but yeah, the, 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 these systems mm. we use are insanely, insanely antiquated. You struck a nerve, though. Is it yeah. like to keep profits? Um, I mean, let's not forget these return to shareholders is number one yeah. priority for I these mean, publicly look, traded. Dan, you know, building inefficient systems leads to migrations and updates and enhancements, right? And each one of those costs a lot of money, let me tell you. So if I connect the dot, and we'll end with this before I get in trouble, but <laughs> let's say your typical CRO, publicly traded, okay? Primary responsibility, return as much value to shareholder. Okay, I understand. I own some of these stocks, I understand. We can also make IRT, EDC, and patient-facing stuff, more user-friendly, but that's going to come at a cost? Or do we rather just make the sites deal with it? Ah, let them deal with it. It's a coordinator. They can handle it. Which one do you pick? That's, well, that's what's going on, I think, on a macro, on a very macro scale. Yeah. Maybe even not in, intentionally, but the cost got to go somewhere, man. And it seems like the sites are burdened with most of this stuff. That's the problem. That's the problem. It's that the burden doesn't belong with the sites and you have to rob Peter to pay Paul in a sense. Mm. And you have to look at a budget and you have to figure out where you can take money away from and invest in the site patient experience. Because that at the end of the day, Dan, is what it's all about. I think we were we had a live last week. Yeah, hey, you've been on, man. You've been killing it. Yeah, these the, we've been killed. But this is what I'm saying. It's like everybody sits behind their desk in their suit and tie and they come up with this protocol design. And they think it's phenomenal, but <laughs> nobody stops to think, wait a minute, how is the patient and site experience going to look like? What's it going to look like? How's it going to be? If you don't ask yourself these questions, it's a problem. And this is why you end up with protocols that have 50, 60 inclusion, exclusion criteria that are completely unreasonable. And if it's, if it's actually an ask in a phase three situation, as a result of the end of phase two meeting minutes, 
then communicate that and say, listen, this is not designed to make your life miserable. This is a requirement by the agency, whether it be the FDA, the EMA, whoever it is. You know, the, you, you have to design protocols with thought of the patient and, <laughs> yeah. and, and site experience. And when you don't, Dan, this is what happens. We have site owners like you who go on rants and they're very, and you know what, you're, you, you should. But before, before me and Brad and Fox and SOS, like you didn't have these conversations no. where sponsors are flying blind. Like, I don't yeah. think sponsors are okay with this either. And I think this is starting to change. But anyways, well, look, we got to wrap this up, guys. Yep. Everybody go follow Robert, link underneath. Go follow Mike from Versatrial. Go follow Michelle. We're going to do another thing just on UAT, just me and Robert, maybe a vendor out there. If you're a vendor watching, hit me up. Thank you so much, Robert. Everybody like, subscribe, comment, share. Bye-bye.